Our text today is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Can you imagine having a nation that had an army that was unwilling to fight for that nation's honor? Can you imagine having a nation, living in a nation that had an army that was unwilling to fight for their nation's freedom? Can you imagine living in a nation that had an army that was unwilling to lay down their lives for the peace and prosperity and safety and security of their family? Could you imagine such a nation? Could you imagine such an army? I thank God that living in the United States of America, that is so far from our uh, understanding. But that was the case in a few seasons of Israel's history. One such season was when Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land that they were blessed, they were given by God to inherit. It was their land. It was their blessing. God said, I am with you. I'm going to give it to you. Now go fight for it. They sent 12 spies in and spent, uh, each spy was from one of the tribes of Israel to survey the land and to come back and give report. Ten spies return and say, the people there are like giants. Yeah, it's a good land. Yeah, it's a fruitful land. Yes, it's a prosperous land. Yes, it'd be great to be able to settle in that land in Canaan, but they're too big. They're too fortified. They're too well defended. There's no way that we could ever take that land. Two spies, Caleb And Joshua said, you guys are looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at the people who are defending that land. And you're saying that we're like grasshoppers compared to those giants. We're looking at the God who promised us that land. And those who are defending that land are like grasshoppers compared to our God. He will give us the strength. Let us fight. But the ten spies prevailed. And they filled the people with fear, they filled the people with criticism, they filled the people with complaining, and they didn't go in. Instead, that entire generation had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years and die out until their children assumed the adult roles and responsibilities. And then, led by one of the two spies, Joshua, they enter in and they fight for the blessing that God has promised them. So, I think it's fitting that this Memorial Day we announce that next weekend we're beginning a series in the book of Joshua. And I believe that as we walk through this series in the book of Joshua, your heart will become strong and courageous so that you will walk in and fight for the blessings that God has promised you. So often we are living like the Israelites that perished in the wilderness because we're wandering around and we're living a frustrated life because our eyes are on the wrong object. But as we lift up our eyes to the God who blessed us and the God who promised us, then the things of this world go strangely dim and our hearts are filled with strength Encourage, and we can enter into the blessings that God has planned for us. As we walk through this series in the book of Joshua, I believe that the fear will dissipate, the anxiety will dissipate, the timidity will dissipate as we no longer look in our past, 
with regret, as we no longer look ahead in our future with fear, as we no longer look around in our present with anxiety, but we look up at the King of Kings, the God who promised, the God who blessed us, and our hearts will be filled with strength and courage. So the name of the series that we're beginning next week, as we begin walking through Joshua, is strong and courageous. Let me read the text again in Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, thus the name of our series. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Yeah, let's praise Jesus for that word. And we have a strong and courageous United States Marine with us this morning, Kevin Schredder. And he's going to share his testimony of his life before Christ and how he came to Christ and what God has done in his life. And um, you, guys, you guys know Joey, who came out uh, last summer, I believe it was, and shared his testimony. And I believe that, Kevin, you're Joey's home group leader. Is that right? And Ke- uh, Joey really looks up to Kevin, and, and he wished that he could be here. But uh, just open your heart as Kevin shares his testimony, because what God did for Kevin, God will do for you. And it's an honor to have you this Memorial Day, and thank you for your service, and thank you for your family for being here. And would you guys welcome Kevin, please. Good morning. It's good to be here this morning. It's good to, uh, to know that, you know, I came from, uh, we drove up, me and my wife and my youngest son yesterday from League City, Texas. It's in between Houston and Galveston. And it's good to know that I, I drive five hours away and I come to another body of believers that I'm with brothers and sisters. Amen. You know, I got my brothers and sisters in League City. I was in Ohio last week. I was with my brothers and sisters there with the body of Christ. And it's so comforting to know I don't have to be nervous or afraid that I'm amongst God's people. So it's good to be with everybody here this morning. Uh, my name is Kevin Schroeder. I served in the Marine Corps uh, from 1990 to 94. That tells my age a little bit, a little old. Um, I brought my wife with me this morning. Um, her name is uh, Rachel. And uh, this December, we'll be married 28 years. We were uh, high school sweethearts. Uh, our oldest son, Matt, he is 26 and he's married to Tori. He's actually a worship leader in Katy, Texas. And... Um, they are pregnant with our first grandson, so our first grandchild, period, so we're excited for August. Now that we know it's a boy, we can be specific on Amazon Prime, you know, and uh, so our daughter, Kirsten, is 19 years old. She's in college. She's not here with us today, and then uh, we brought Caden. Caden's our youngest son. He is 14. So that's a little bit about us. Um, you know, I uh, just retired a month ago from uh, 21 years in law enforcement. Uh, I was a patrol lieutenant in League City. And, um, you know, all that sounds really good that I have a successful family, it looks like, a successful military career and a successful law enforcement career. But I must take my mask off for you this morning and let you know the real story and how we got to where we are today. Because it was almost not to be. See, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Um, I was raised in a home where I saw a lot of drug abuse and alcohol abuse. Uh, My parents fought like cats and dogs. It was a lot of fighting. And usually when somebody fought, when they fought, somebody had to leave. And it was always my dad. So I kind of learned at a young age, whenever there's conflict that somebody has to leave, and it was always me when I first got married to Rachel. 
So just kind of going through life, and finally in my senior year of high school, my parents finally got a divorce. And nobody at this point in my life, I was 17, uh, my dad married soon after their divorce, and uh, no one was coming to Kevin and saying, what are you going to do when you graduate high school? What are you going to do with your life? Nobody came and said, here's some college money. I was just kind of drifting through life without any purpose. Well, I went to career day in my high school, and um, I know there was a lot of colleges there. None of that interested me. But I saw one branch of service that I remember. And it was a Marine recruiter, and he was in the dress blues. And he gave, I must say, it was a 20-minute speech. But I didn't hear a word he said. I saw that uniform, and I walked up to him, and I said, what do I need to do to get that uniform? <laughs> and he said, how old are you? I said, I'm 17. He goes, I need one parent to sign. My mom wouldn't do it, so my dad said, okay, I'll sign for you. Um, at this point, you know, I didn't know that there was a Christian girl who's now my wife. She wanted to be a Marine. She comes from a tight-knit Hispanic family. And uh, they were like, no, we don't really want you to go do that. We want you to stay here. She goes, well, I'll show them. I'm going to pray for a Marine husband, and I'm going to pray for a Christian man. And let me tell you something. I was neither. Uh, So at the time I saw this recruiter, and then I signed the dotted line, I wasn't supposed to go into the Marine Corps until October of 1990. This was around May of 1990. I went to the delayed entry program. Second semester of my senior high school, I'm sitting in English, and lo and behold, this beautiful young lady walks into the classroom. So I started to pursue her. And, you know, her dad is a pastor of a church in Brazoria, Texas. And uh, he, he, he preaches at a bilingual church. And he is still preaching today, probably after about 35, 40 years. Preaches for free, really. And he's preaching right now as I speak. And I started to go to church with them. And, you know, through that, I heard the gospel that Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sin, and that he rose again. And I thought that was a great message. But you know what really impacted me? Is I saw a difference in their lives. Like, you, it's hard to describe. It's, it's, it's only something that God can do in somebody's life. It, they were changed. They weren't perfect. They still went through the storms, but I saw them on a firm foundation. I saw that you could have joy when you go through problems. And I didn't have that. So when I saw them living that out, and I heard the gospel, that all came together. And I became a Christian. And when you know, two months later, uh, you know, I didn't have a place to stay. I got kicked out of the house. And uh, I called my recruiter and I said, hey, I don't have a place to live. It, it wasn't really anything that I did other than eat. And my mom couldn't support that. So I had to go. So I called my recruiter and I said, look, um, I don't have a place to live. Is there any way you can get me in earlier? And he says, I'll call you back. So he called me back. He says, how about tomorrow? I said, let's do it. So I got baptized on that day, and I went off to boot camp. And during that time, being I turned 18 in, uh, in boot camp, and um, Rachel was around that age. So I said, you know what? I think we're experienced enough. We should get married. You know, we know all about life. Let's just get married. <laughs> so after I went through boot camp and Marine combat training and did some other training, we got married. And then uh, shortly after we got married, uh, I deployed to uh, Okinawa. They said I was going to be there for a year. 
So just before deploying, though, and we'd been married for about three months, uh, Rachel became pregnant with our oldest son, Matthew, but I didn't know it at the time. So when I got sent to Okinawa, she calls me on the phone and said, hey, you're going to be a dad. And I'm thinking, well, that's, that's awesome. But the bad thing is I'm not coming home for like 11 more months. And, uh, you know, the Gulf War broke out. So while I was in Okinawa, I got deployed to Desert Storm. Um, I was in Desert Storm for five, about five months, and then I came back and I had to finish my tour out in Okinawa. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a lot for an 18-year-old uh, looking back to deal with. And a lot of that stuff, I wasn't prepared mentally, uh, emotionally, and definitely not spiritually. So when I came home, I'd been married for a year, and I had a three-month-old baby. So I thought, man, this marriage stuff is easy. I mean, we've hardly fought. It's been a year that we've been married, you know, and I have a three-month-old. I mean, it, it, it's just got to get better from here. That was an eye-opener because when, uh, when I came back, we lived at Camp Pendleton for my last two years, and we found out what marriage was really about. There's a lot of fighting in that at times, you know. But when I got out of the Marine Corps, we decided to go back home here in Texas, and uh, I became a police officer. And I have to tell you, my ego and pride got in the way of what God wanted to do in my life. I mean, let me come down here for a second. You know, I was prepared to fight America's battles and the battles on the streets as a police officer, but I wasn't prepared to fight the spiritual battle. And you know, we're all in one. And there's a thing that, especially the military guys can relate to in here, but a mine. Okay, this is the path that God wants me to be on, and I have an enemy, and he does not want me to be the man that God created me to be. So I'm walking along the path, and I take my eyes off Jesus, and one of the first mines I hit was pride. The other one was ego. The other one was something my parents never taught me, how to be a pure husband and a pure man of God. So it's this time that my heart started to get cold and I started to live for Kevin and I was in love with Kevin. God used some situations in my life to get my attention. And I have to tell you, I wish this wasn't my story. And maybe some of you here this morning wish you don't have the story that you have. But it's your story. And there's two things that you can do. You can let it break you. Or you can give God the glory through it. You see, because when we're not living the life that God wants us to live, We, we kind of live in bondage. See, I got a family that, that needs me. I got sons that need me to raise them to be men of God. I need a wife that needs a, a one-woman husband, a godly man. And when my eyes are not on Jesus and I'm living for Kevin, I'm in bondage. And this is right where the enemy wants me to be. And I wasn't prepared to fight that enemy. Let me tell you something. One of the best sounds in the world is when God breaks those chains. 
that we can walk around free and be the men and women that he created us to be. So during this time of pride, me and my wife separated due to some bad decisions that I made. We, Matt was seven and Kirsten was about three months old. Our daughter, Caden, wasn't even around. We were actually a signature away from a divorce. My wife tells me, she says, when we were going through this time, I was going to the church that we went to, and she says the divorce care people came to her and said, you know, we have divorce care to prepare you emotionally and spiritually for divorce. And she does this Hispanic, only Hispanic women I've seen can do this. I mean, they do this one finger wave and this like, "Uh uh-uh sound. Yeah, I hear that sound a lot. And she did that. She goes, this doesn't, she goes, this doesn't look good. She goes, but I'm not walking by sight. I'm walking by faith. So she linked arms with another woman and they prayed for me. They prayed scripture over me. So during this time in my prideful self, I'm, I'm, I'm in this, this drug infested neighborhood and I stopped this guy. He's 24 years old. And I'll never forget. He was a nice kid. He was, he had these white shrimp boots on. And he said he was basically down there trading his catch for crack. He says, man, my business is going down. My life's falling apart. And, you know, during this time in my life, I mean, I was sitting on this treasure, this relationship with Christ, but I had it buried. I wasn't concerned one bit about this guy. He was sent on his way. I saw him a month later. He was in the same drug-infested neighborhood. This time he was on foot. He was high on cocaine. He was with a friend. And he said, I want to kill myself. And his friend with him said, hey, man, don't worry about him. I got him. And inside, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm not worried about him. Because I'm so in love with Kevin. And I'm doing Kevin's thing. So I went about my way. A month later, I saw him for the final time. I got dispatched to a major accident out in the county. There were no deputies that were close enough, so the city guys were closer. I was the first one to get there. Witnesses would say that this person, this guy that I met, was trying to intentionally cause a head-on collision. His blood results would later show that he had cocaine and alcohol in the system way above the limit. When I got there, I looked at his truck, and his engine was in the seat he should have been in, because he was successful in in causing this accident. He was laying down on the pavement in the road, and I swear his face was two inches into the pavement. He was dead. I went over to the next vehicle. I pulled out an 18-year-old young man who should have graduated high school that year. He was dead. The human body shouldn't do what he did. His 11-year-old sister was on the ground. She was dead. I'll never forget. She had curly hair. She had a pink shirt, purple pants. The vehicle was on top of their mom's head. She actually survived, but missed all of their funerals because she was in a coma for months. 
But here's the worst part of the story. Traffic was backed up for miles. And I'm walking down the traffic line, and I recognize somebody that I know. I started talking to her, and I got pulled away. One of my fellow officers told me, he said, hey, that little boy and girl are her brother and sister. And she was the wife of one of my coworkers who was a canine officer. So wouldn't you know that life isn't about us and that the Christian that doesn't live the life that God has intended for him is a dangerous Christian. And I didn't encounter an angry God, but I encountered this God of love. We heard about reckless love this morning. That's the love that I encountered. And this reckless love picked me up and grabbed me and said, Kevin, you're missing out on Philippians 3.8 where Paul says that I consider all things lost in comparison to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. That means that there is no greater treasure in life than to know Jesus the one that died on a cross, the Bible says that God, that Jesus bore God's wrath towards sin on a cross. And then he conquered sin and death, and then he rose again. It even says in Romans 8:1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Did you know that our past, present, and future sins are forgiven? So I began to embrace that God. That God of love, of reckless love and mercy. And I began to put my eyes on Jesus like the Bible says, fix your eyes on the author and finisher of your faith. Let me tell you, when that enemy comes at me, the mind that he throws at me these days is regret. Do you know what the Bible says about that? Philippians 1, 6 says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So I'm not banking on Kevin at the end of the day, but on Jesus. And let me tell you, if you don't know him, it's no accident that you're here today. He loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. But if you do know him and you're not in the center of his will, you're in a dangerous spot. All you got to do is turn your heart to him and say, God, would you please mold me in to be the man or the woman that you want me to be. You know what happens when we do that? Psalm 40 says that when David was in a pit, anybody ever felt like they were in a pit before? He called it a miry pit because of the things that he'd done in his life. It was a mess. He said that God lifted him out of the pit and put him on firm ground. Firm ground. And said that many would see and put their trust in him. When we align our lives with the, the life that God intended for us to live, the many in life might be your coworker. It might be a family member of yours that doesn't know him. It might be your neighbor. You know that seven-year-old boy, Matthew, hated me when I was seven, when he was seven. When he got married a year and a half ago, he asked me to be his best man. We wouldn't know Caden today if I wouldn't have made some serious decisions to align my life with the life that God intended for me to live. 
no matter what your circumstances look like. God has a purpose and a plan for you, and he loves you with this reckless love so that many would see and put their trust in him. It's great to be here with you, with you guys this morning. Thank you for hearing me out. I wonder how many of you are living in chains. Gosh, you don't have to. I wonder how many of you have been lured to step on a mind that the enemy has laid on the path. As Kevin testified, right now you can encounter a God who will forgive all of your sins, past, present, and future. A God who will loose you from your chains. A God who will take the consequences of your mistakes and failures and translate them into blessings and realign them with his purpose for your life. Right now, that can happen. Right now, you can turn to God and you will not encounter a God who hates you, a God who's angry at you, a God who's ticked off at you. You will encounter a God whose arms are wide open. And to prove it, there's nail scars on his hands. And he's just saying, come home. Let me forgive you. Let me restore you. Let me bless your life. Let me do life with you. Let me give you a new heart. The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can do that right now. For those of you who've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can call on the name of the Lord right now. For those of you Christians who've maybe gone your own way and you've strayed and your your heart's grown cold, you can return to your first love. To some of you, Jesus is saying, come unto me. To others of you, Jesus is saying, return unto me. Would you stand with me? Let's pray to receive this God. With your heads bowed, call out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is no exception. There is no condition. You are not here by accident. You don't have to sabotage your life any longer. You don't have to self-sabotage your marriage any longer. You don't have to self-sabotage your family any longer. You don't have to sabotage your blessings any longer. Right now, you can turn to the God who loves you so much, He, as Cassidy, as Kevin testified, left everything that was glorious and familiar to come to a brutal cross for you because He loves you. There's, no, there's not going to be any negotiation. There's not going to be any hesitation. There's not going to be any consideration. You turn to God now, and there will be only salvation and restoration. But you have to turn to Him. And you have to admit that you've gone your own way, and you've stepped on minds, and you're in bondage, and you need help. A broken and contrite heart God will not despise. So just call out to Jesus right now in an audible voice. Repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for paying for my sins on the cross. And I believe that you conquered the grave. And I turn to you. Jesus, be my Savior. I need a Savior. And be my Lord. Come into my life and take over. Turn my messed up life into a blessing.
and shine your glory through me. And if you pray to receive Christ, then you need to follow Jesus in baptism and talk to me about that. Any of our leaders you see around here, talk to them about that. And that will help you continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And perhaps that you're a Christian and your heart has grown cold to the things that Jesus is passionate about, which is holiness, which is the fellowship of the believers, which is the church, which is utilizing your spiritual gifts, which is his love letter in the Bible, which is your daily devotional time. It's not a list of things you do, but it's your heart being passionate about the things that God's heart is passionate about. And perhaps your heart has grown cold. And perhaps you've become lukewarm, and you've become enslaved by the American dream, or enslaved by the list goes on and on. Return to Christ with your whole heart. And would you bow your heads with me? If that's you, if you're a Christian who's just sort of become cold to the things that God is passionate about, repent of that frostiness. Repent of that religion. And return into a passionate relationship with a God who wants to use you as his hands and feet to worship his glory, to build up the body of Christ, and to go after a lost and dying world. Are you a lukewarm Christian? Return to Christ. And with your whole heart, pray this. Repeat after me if that's you in an audible voice. God, I'm sorry I've let my heart grow cold. I return to you. Use me as your hands and feet to be passionate about the things you're passionate about, which is your glory. It's the body of Christ, and it's a lost and dying world. Thaw out my passivity. Give me a passionate heart, oh God. Amen. Let's thank once again Kevin Schroeder for being here. Thank you so much. As I said, we're beginning a series next week in Joshua. Don't miss it. Your heart will grow strong and courageous so you can enter into the blessings that God has for you. You know, I've been, to, to really get a handle on Joshua, you've got to have a handle on Numbers and Deuteronomy. And, and throughout these wandering years, they had this mobile tabernacle, right? So in the tabernacle, and what happened in the tabernacle? sacrifices, right? And there was 12 tribes of Israel, and whenever they moved, whenever they walked, uh, whenever they traveled, there were three tribes in front of the tabernacle, three tribes behind the tabernacle, three tribes to the west, three tribes to the east, and the tabernacle were surrounded by the Levites. From an aerial view, when they're moving through the wilderness, what do they look like? They look like the cross. And the center of the tribes, the center of the community was where the sacrifices were taking place, which was a picture of what? Jesus. The center of our community needs to be Jesus. And that's up to the church, guys. We've got to be passionate about Jesus. We've got to be passionate about the church. We've got to be passionate about a lost and dying world because this junk that we see on the news will not be solved by Washington. So don't get so fired up about Fox and CNN, all right? That's not the answer. It's going to be passionate about the church, being passionate about the things that God is passionate about. In church, the center of our life, our community, needs to revolve around the cross. We all come equal at the foot of the cross, and we're all made equally the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
So, it's easy to think, okay, we, we, we have some great worship, we hear a good sermon, and let's just break and go our own way. But, um, but don't do that. Don't slip away. Uh, we're breaking, in fact, a little bit early today. we got a cookout, and the church being the church involves us getting to know one another better, hugging each other, hanging out together, barbecuing together, cooking out together. Man, we got some great cooking out going on, great burgers, great hot dogs, great jalapenoed, grilled Surround, jalapeno surrounded with uh, bacon, grilled. I don't know what it's called, but it's out there. I think cheese is even in the jalapenos. So don't slip away. There's a bounce house for the kids. There's hula hoops. There's some soccer goals. So don't slip out. Uh, let's, let's get to know our church family better, all right? So uh, let's, let's again thank Kevin. That was a beautiful testimony. Bring a friend with you next week as we begin the book of Joshua.